In his efforts to unify the saints of Corinth, Paul taught of the inherent unity that comes from the ordinance of the sacrament. For we being many are one bread and one body, for all are partakers of that one bread. The full consecration of our hearts to remember Christ in word and deed bring with it the multitude of spiritual gifts we have at our disposal to assist God in unifying ourselves to Him, His work, and His glory. I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding that the Spirit may teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up. I think something that unifies us as a church is our beliefs and our purpose. I think that's very important because if you have purpose, you have something to believe in and something to stand for. Our worship services unify us as members of the church. We are able to gather together as families and sit together and enjoy listening to the Spirit and learning of the things that Christ wants us to know so that we can progress and, and be better. I believe the sacrament brings unity to us in the church is because of the things that we believe in. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the things He has done for us. And so when we take of the sacrament, it creates that unity of all of our thoughts and our feelings towards the very being that we love is Christ. No matter what culture we're a part of and where we came from, if we're in a different place, a different area than where we grew up, Partaking of the sacrament means that we're sitting next to people who have made the same covenants as us. It means that we're all on the same path, all moving the same direction, and all trying to get back to the same place. Welcome everybody, my name is Ben Lomu and I'm your host. Our gospel scholar for today is Patrick Mason. Patrick is a professor of religious studies and history at Utah State University. Patrick, welcome back. Thanks Ben, good to be here. And our special guest for today is Noel Pikes Pace. Noel is a world champion and two-time Olympian skeleton racer. She won the silver medal in the 2014 Winter Games in Sochi. She and her husband, Jansen, are the parents of four children. Welcome, Noel. Thank you, it's great to be here. And we're also joined by our studio audience. So great to have you all here with us. And to the viewers at home, thank you for watching. Please join us for further conversation online through any of our social media platforms. Today, we've selected two topics to discuss that relate to passages found in 1 Corinthians chapters 8 through 13. These topics and discussions support and build upon the Come Follow Me resource developed and published by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The two topics we are going to discuss are first, the sacrament unifies us as members of the church, and second, identifying and developing my spiritual gifts. After exploring these two topics with our panel and studio audience, we'll let our studio audience go for the footnotes segment of the show and dive deeper with Patrick and Noel. Okay, Patrick, so as we get into this first topic, the sacrament unifies us as members of the church. What can you tell us about the context of that topic within these chapters? So remember, so Paul had been a great missionary and he'd been on a mission to the city of Corinth, which was a big bustling city, a center of trade. People from all over the Mediterranean world would come into Corinth. And, uh, and Paul had been there for about 18 months. He'd set up a church uh, and this church had, had, was really thriving. And then Paul went away and after he left, 
the church started to have some problems. There were divisions, all of these different people from these different cultures, these different ideas, different religious backgrounds. They were all in this church trying to make it work, uh, but divisions started to come in. And so, so Paul, when he writes this letter back to the church in Corinth, to the Corinthians, uh, he's trying to address some of these issues. And the main issue he's trying to address in these chapters is the unity in the church. And he says, one of the ways that we find unity is through the sacrament. And Noel, you've had uh, the opportunity to visit a lot of different congregations. You've been in a lot of different cultures. Uh, do you mind just kind of giving us a little bit of a background and what took you all around the world? Sure. Yeah, it's been quite the journey. Um, so I competed in a crazy sport, a crazy <laughs> headfirst sport of the skeleton. The craziest It's sport. so fun. Everybody <laughs> should try it. Um, but I ran track and field in high school and college, and they were recruiting track and field athletes to go up and try bobsledding. I grew up in Utah, and I got into this really crazy sport where you run and you jump on basically a cookie sheet. It's a sled. <laughs> and you dive headfirst down this icy track. And that ended up taking me all how, around the world. How fast are you going? We go about 90 miles an hour <laughs> with our chin less than an inch off the ice. It's wow. so fun. So yeah, so that has taken us all over the world. We've been able to travel and meet so many different people, wonderful people, learn about different cultures. We've been able to attend church in different branches and wards and stakes throughout Europe and Russia and Asia, um, all over the U.S. and Canada. And what's really cool is that the gospel is the same everywhere we go. It doesn't matter which language is being spoken. The spirit is felt and it's so strong. Um, and, and that is unity right there, mm -hmm. right? Being able to be united no matter where you are in the world to come into a place and not know a single person, but to have someone come up to you and say, hey, welcome. You know, that that's something really, really special. It's been a great opportunity. And I to think, see that. you know, especially the sacrament, right? You know, when, when we share that ordinance, it is literally the same Absolutely. everywhere. And if we look at chapter 10, verse 17, what Paul says is, for we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread, right? So we all come together and, and, and even think about the, the symbolism that we do take from, from that single loaf of bread or that mm -hmm. single slice of bread that, that we break into the many parts and that we share with everybody. We pass it to one another right, that we are all sharing in the emblems of Christ and sharing Christ with one another. And all of that is meant to, to then point us back to Christ and, and, and unify us. So then if we turn the page to, to chapter 11, what we're supposed to be remembering at that moment in chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, he's recalling Jesus at the Last Supper when he instituted the sacrament. And it says, when he had given thanks, he broke it, the bread, and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. That we come together from all our different perspectives, all of our crazy lives, whatever we came into that chapel with, and together in unity, we remember Jesus. John S. Tanner has a great quote talking about the unity that comes from the sacrament. And he says, the sacrament is communal. We partake of it along with others who are united with us by shared baptismal covenants and by the mutual need to repent and recommit. To partake of the sacrament is to formally participate in fellowship with the saints, reminding us weekly of our need to foster charity toward our fellow saints, 
The sacrament can be a great force for unity in our congregations. We all equally need the Lord's Spirit and pardon. Noel, you have a lot of experience with, you participate in an individual sport, yet you are a part of a, of a team. So what sort of connections do you make between the, the sport and your involvement in that and how the sacrament, as individual as it is, can bring unity to a congregation. Yeah, the thing that I love about individual sports is just that, that it is a team that we're working intentionally. I love those words, intentional. And as we are intentionally striving to improve each and every day, and coming back to the scripture that, that you were reading, Patrick, in um, 1 Corinthians 11, 24, where it says, do in remembrance of me. As we remember, as we are aware and trying to become a little bit better and remembering throughout the week, there's a reason why we're partaking this sacrament consistently. And as we are consistently striving to improve as an individual, it will only strengthen the congregation as a whole, and we will become united um, together for one purpose, one cause, and I single to the glory of God. So Noah, what's it like when, just from the whole Olympic standpoint or being part of Team USA, as you connect with your teammates, what's that feeling like when you're all walking out in the stadium oh. together? Can you just tell us, give us a little oh, bit man. of a taste of, of that being a part of Team USA? Look at me, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> my, my hands are getting sweaty. My heartbeat's starting to race. Um, it's so cool. It's just, it's unlike any experience I've ever had before, just being able to walk out. Um, I just remember one of my favorite experiences was going into the Vancouver 2010 Winter Olympic Games. All the countries had to line up and the United States of America was all lined up. We're all in this, wearing the same thing. We're all like, nobody looks, I mean, you could tell by the body sizes, okay, you might be a hockey player, you know, <laughs> oh, you, you might be a figure skater. But the point is we're all different, but we're there for one mm -hmm. purpose. And I just remember sitting in this tunnel in Vancouver, waiting to walk into opening ceremonies and the, the sound. And all of a sudden, one at a time was USA, and all of a sudden 10, USA, and all of a sudden 20, USA, and 50. And all of us wow. were just chanting USA, and it was just echoing and vibrating. And we went out there just so driven and so motivated to represent this cause, to represent, to give our absolute best, to go out there and just show the world what we could do. Um, imagine taking that same excitement with the gospel principles, right. right? And we get this life to live and just saying, do you understand? Read the scriptures. <laughs> right, These right. are so amazing, you know, and coming out united together. And that's what the sacrament does. It, mm -hmm. it unites us. It brings us together for this one cause, this one purpose to go out there and say, wow, you know, gathering of Israel, we got this, you know? <laughs> oh, I love, I love that. That excitement, you know, and, it, and like Noel said, this is what we get to experience on a weekly basis is this feeling of unity, this feeling that we are part of something that is big. And, and Paul talks about that uh, as he relates it to the body of Christ. I, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this in footnotes, but yeah. can you give us a little bit of an idea of what he's talking about? Yeah, and this is in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians where he uses this image. And the, the really interesting thing, and this is where he talks about we're all different parts of the body, right? You know, this would have been a common metaphor at the time that the, like society is like a body. We're all united. We're all different parts of the body. But the really interesting thing that Paul does, and I love this, is that at the time in Roman society, there was this idea that there, there are certain parts of the body that are more important than others. We're okay. all part of the same body, but like the head's more important than the toes. And what Paul does is he completely changes this. But, but he says that actually all the members are the same. He says, we That's are really all neat. members of, of the same body. Uh, verse 20 of chapter 12. Now there are many members, but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor to the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. So 
In Roman society, it was very hierarchical. There's people at the top, there's people at the bottom. Paul says we give more honor to the people, to the parts of the body that we think are less honorable. So let's relate this to a, a normal ward or a congregation. What's the message that Paul is trying to teach us as we are part of this team within the gospel of Jesus Christ? I know we're going to get to it because we both were commenting on this right. before, but I love chapter 13. I just love it. And talking about charity, it just dives in. And I think that's just the base of it, right? If we can just walk into each meeting and prepare beforehand um, for this moment of partaking the sacrament, the sacred ordinance, and walking into those chapel doors and just saying, okay, how can I be a little more charitable today? Just looking outward, I think the answers, all the answers to any questions we ever have in life are here in the scriptures. These, it's just amazing. I just love it. I love the scriptures. <laughs> so uh, let's go back to the audience. What efforts have you made to build unity within your own congregations? Clara. I remember for me, I was having a really bad week and I go to sit down just before sacrament meeting. And this other girl comes up to me and she says, hey, Clara, are you okay today? I feel like you need a hug. And with that one little effort, she made my entire day. She made my entire week. So Clara, why is it you think that she recognized that, that you were struggling that week? Well, she couldn't have known anything about my entire personal experience in my life, but the Holy Ghost probably gave her a prompting. No, not probably, definitely gave her a prompting. <laughs> and I have to say it was, I'm really glad that she was able to recognize that. What a great comment. As we talk about the unity that sacrament brings, what about those that are within the congregation that perhaps choose not to partake of the sacrament? How do we include them and make them feel a part of that uh, gospel community? I love Clara's comment. I think it's all in that answer that she just gave is just reaching out, listening to the Holy Ghost, following those promptings and showing compassion, showing love for those around us, um, that we are all God's children. Mm -hmm. Every single one of us is a son or daughter of God. And um, when we recognize that, that it's, yes, this is an individual journey, but we are all on the same path. We are all trying to make it back to um, eternal life to live with, with our Savior again. And uh, once we can really truly understand that, man, it's miraculous, right? What the Savior can do, what the, what the Holy Ghost can do for us and for others. Yeah, I, th I think that's so true. And again, it comes back to chapter 13 is, is we come with an attitude of love. Uh, that we don't come into these meetings with the sense of like judging other people, mm -hmm. like who is or who isn't taking the sacrament this day. What's wrong with them, right? I mean, the, right. the whole point of the sacrament is what's wrong with me, right. <laughs> right? And and so how am I going to repent this week? How am I going to become a better Christian? And one, the main way we become better Christians is is by loving other people. Mm -hmm. And and there should be all kinds of people in our sacrament meetings, right? Yeah. There should be people who are members of the church, not members of the church, people who are struggling. I mean, the church is meant to be a hospital, you know, not a place uh, for where, where everybody is, is, is fully healthy. And so we should um, just embrace everybody who's there for whatever reason, wherever they're at. You know, we had a question that came in from one of our viewers, and I would love to get some of your thoughts on it. My name is Hiramar Vasquez. I am from Venezuela, and I currently live in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. My question is, how can we prepare children to partake of the sacrament reverently so that they can contribute to a greater spiritual experience for all? 
I think we've all been in those meetings where, you know, you're trying to get into this zone and focus. The reality is we meet, we congregate as families. I love that question. And Noel, you have four children. So yeah. I'll have you uh, kind of start out trying to help answer this question about how do we prepare children to partake reverently of the sacrament? I love this question. I honestly think that there's a very special word in that question that she asked and it's prepare. Um, and for, for me as an Olympic athlete, it all came down to preparation. Mm -hmm. Everybody would see that, you know, four minutes of me competing on the ice, but if man, it took so many hours and hours and hours before that to make that moment possible. And it's the same thing. I mean, if it took that much time for me to become an Olympian, which is really, I mean, I can say this because I'm an Olympian, but it's quite trivial in the grand <laughs> scheme of things. Like in the eternal perspective, becoming an Olympian, having an Olympic medal, it's awesome. But it's very trivial in, in the eternal perspective. And so if you can think of that as being trivial, but this sacrament, this sacred, sacred ordinance, and uh, just preparing. So talking about it, speaking about it, showing reverence for it, leading up to it. On, on Sunday morning, are we just rushing out the door to hurry and get the kids in the car? The gospel library is incredible. That's a, I would highly recommend that if you haven't been there, if you don't have it on your phone or on your device, um, get the gospel library. My kids love to look at those videos, like the morning before church or something. They have sing-alongs or um, things like that that just helps bring the spirit into our home before that moment comes. As we talk about just how important the sacrament is and how it builds unity, our kids have a big part in that. So give us some of your thoughts. Yeah, and of course it's gonna be different for different mm -hmm. ages, right? It's hard for two-year-olds, so they're different than 12-year-olds. Yeah. But 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 still, you know, I think even from a very young age, we, we can help our kids just say like, this moment, I know it seems like an eternity to them, like, you know, five minutes or something like that, yeah. but like, this is when we think about Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. and, and of course they don't fully recognize, they don't fully understand it and yeah. so forth. But, but to say, we're gonna put other things away and we're, this, we're gonna think about Jesus. Um, at, at, at this time, and 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 when you do that consistently, it doesn't you're not going to be 100. Yes. percent They're going to throw a temper tantrum. Something will happen, right? But over time, you know, gradually, week by week, they come to understand that this is a special moment. Yeah, I love that. And you know, from the oldest member to the youngest, we all have this part of creating this unified congregation. And just what Paul is trying to teach, and through the sacrament. You know, what a beautiful way as we participate and, and, and renew our devotion to him. Thank you so much for sharing with us and for the audience. Great comments, great energy, great spirit. Thank you so much. And for you at home, how have you felt unity through the sacrament? Share with us on Facebook and Instagram. We all have different gifts and talents because if we all had the same gift, we wouldn't progress. We'd be the same always and we wouldn't grow. Why we were all given different gifts and talents is because the Lord can use us in different ways to spread the gospel to other people. I've developed my spiritual gifts first by identifying what they are and asking God how how I can use them to, to build His kingdom and um, to help those around me. And I find that when I serve, that is usually when they are developed. I'm using them and um, I become stronger because I'm using them. I think I've developed my own spiritual gifts by first just recognizing it and then pushing forward to uh, keep making it grow through scripture study, prayer, just like the basic things that we as members do. I feel that one of the spiritual gifts that I have is to be a teacher. Uh, it's something that my Heavenly Father told me very specifically, you have this gift. And the more that I use it, the more that I develop it, the more that um, the more I see it benefit not just myself, but I see it benefiting those that I teach.
Our second topic for today is identifying and developing my spiritual gifts. Patrick, what do we need to know uh, about this topic as we jump into these chapters? Yeah, so I, I love uh, th this passage, especially in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, it's one of only three places in all of scripture where it really discusses and dives into and lists some of the different spiritual gifts that we have. So Paul is, again, he's talking to this church in Corinth and, and apparently, you know, they, they, they have spiritual gifts. They're, they're exercising spiritual gifts. So, so he's talking about it not only in terms of identifying what they are, but he's also giving them counsel on how to best use them okay. as part of the unity of the body of the church, the body of Christ that they're trying to develop. Okay, Noel, what are some of your thoughts on developing other gifts, specifically spiritual gifts that you have? Um, I think they all go hand in hand. Every gift we have, every spiritual, physical, mental, whatever gift it is, they all go hand in hand. Um, and, and it takes time, it takes patience, and we don't like patience necessarily. <laughs> and I think one of the biggest things to remember is it's not a comparison game. And coming from an, an Olympic athlete, like that was really the peak of my, of my performances when I realized it wasn't about competing with others. It was about competing with myself and figuring out how can I become better? How can I improve? And if, if we're talking about spiritual gifts, um, I remember one experience while I was competing and I went into a cafeteria. So not everything was about being you know, on my sled and competing, but I remember walking into a cafeteria and feeling so alone. And it was when I was young, I was about 19 years old. And you know, I just felt, I was like, I, I was almost embarrassed because I'm like, where am I going to sit? Where am I going to place this cafeteria tray? And I remember looking around and it was the Holy Ghost. I know it was the Spirit just saying, find someone, sit by someone. Someone else is alone in this room too, feeling the same way you are. And I remember looking out and there was a group just laughing and I wanted to be with that group laughing and be a part of them. And I saw a girl sitting by herself and I just felt like that's where I needed to be. And I went and sat my, my, sat my cafeteria tray down and started talking to her. And lo and behold, she felt like she didn't know anybody there either. And we developed a great friendship. And it was just one of those moments where I'm like, wow, Wow, like that that to me is a spiritual mm -hmm. gift is just having having courage. There's many, there's many that could be applied there, but mm -hmm. having courage or just recognizing someone else or stepping outside your comfort zone, uh, overcoming fear. There's a lot of things to be taken, but we all have them. That's the point is we all have spiritual gifts, every single one of us, but a lot of times it just takes courage to test it, to try it, but um, they are all beneficial to all of us as children of God. And Noel said uh, a couple of things about spiritual gifts that, that I think is important to understand. First, we all have them. Yep. And the uh, second one is that we have them so that we can bless the lives of others. What other things do we need to understand about spiritual gifts, specifically from what Paul is trying to teach? Yeah, so I love what he says in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, and, and we can pick it up here in verse 4. He says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. So it's all coming from God. It's all coming from the Holy Spirit, but it manifests itself in different ways. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh in all. And the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man, it really means every person, to profit with all. The purpose of these gifts is to profit everyone, to, to benefit everybody. And he's going to go through uh, over the next couple chapters, the spiritual gifts are meant to benefit other people. They should be done with love and they should be done to edify. 
And so then he goes through and talks about some of the gifts of the Spirit. And this is not the whole list of all of the gifts mm -hmm. that the Spirit gives, but some of them that he talks about in verse 8. To one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles or prophecy or discerning of spirits or diverse tongues or the interpretation of tongues. So he lists these different gifts that are present among the, the church in Corinth. But the, verse 11 is so important. All these work by the one and selfsame spirit, dividing to every person severally. So it's the same spirit that works through each of us in all of our, our diversity in order to bless one another. That's the point. All these gifts are given to bless other people. Marvin J. Ashton speaks about this, talking about gifts, some, some that are mentioned, but some that are also you know, lesser known. He says, less conspicuous gifts, the gift of asking, the gift of listening, the gift of hearing and using a still small voice, the gift of being able to weep, the gift of avoiding contention, the gift of being agreeable, the gift of avoiding vain repetitions, the gift of seeking that which is righteous, the gift of not passing judgment, the gift of looking to God for guidance, the gift of being a disciple, the gift of caring for others, the gift of being able to ponder, the gift of offering prayer, the gift of bearing a mighty testimony, and the gift of receiving the Holy Ghost. I love how it just covers a wide range and we have this wonderful studio audience with us. I would love to hear about some of your gifts and how has the Lord used you to bless the lives of others through that gift? Holly. So I work with uh, young children with special needs and many of them don't have communication skills. Um, some of them are nonverbal. And I've found that when I'm receptive to the spirit, um, I am able to understand what their needs are and what they're trying to communicate. And then I'm able to address address those and, and bless them. And I find that, you know, as I seek God, He helps me. And then I'm able to bless those little children. And Holly, how do you feel that the Holy Ghost has helped you to kind of know what specifically to do to help these children? Um, he guides me. And just as I'm paying attention, I feel that the Holy Ghost prompt me to to look in a certain direction or just, you know, see a, a facial expression or just understand the situation that they're in. And the Holy Ghost just helps me know how to respond to them. Patrick, what are your thoughts as you hear Holly talk specifically about the gift that she has? You know, tell us through your experience and through your own family, how has that been a blessing to you? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that means a lot. And I loved what Holly said. We, we've got a daughter with, with special needs. And it's so interesting be, being a parent or being around people with special needs. You realize that this is absolutely true, that God gives different gifts, mm -hmm. right? And uh, so our, our daughter is in, in a wheelchair. And it's, it's so funny. Recently, she, she said, uh, she said I kind of feel bad for the people who aren't in a wheelchair because they don't get to do what I do. Like they, they, they don't get to have as much fun as I do, oh, right? That's really and, cute. and such a beautiful and profound. So sometimes we look at other people and see like what they lack or mm -hmm. what they don't have. But I think what we're getting here is, is to focus on the gifts that God has given us. Yeah. And that's exactly what Paul says. He's, he says at the end of chapter 12, verse 28, that God has set some in the church, the first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, uh, after that, miracles and gifts of healing and, and all these things. And he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? 
But he says it, it, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't matter because we're all members of the same body. And I love what he says in verse 31. You know, we're, we learn from the 10 commandments, thou shalt not covet. But Paul says here, but covet earnestly. What he really means is like to seek really strongly, you know, to, to really seek after the best gifts. And so he's telling us it doesn't matter what your place in the church is, what your calling in the church is. The, the just lean into whatever gift God has given you because that's exactly what God wants you to do to bless other people. You know, uh, Noel, uh, do you feel that sometimes we get caught up in comparing our yeah. gifts? So what would you say to somebody or what are some lessons you've learned as far as comparing our gifts and recognizing the gifts that we have within us that may be, uh, sometimes go unnoticed? We're taught or, or society is has made it this way where we are taught to judge or to say, oh, I'm not quite as good as you at baking that cake. You know, a lot of times we're blinded by our own perfectionism and we say, I'm not as good as you though. Well, I mean, that's that's what Paul says, because he's saying, look, there, there are some of these gifts that get like a lot of attention that are public, mm-hmm. like healing, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or tongues or something like that. But he says at, at the end of chapter 12, he says, I'm gonna show you a more excellent way. And what's the more excellent way? Charity. It's love. It's charity. <laughs> and he says, everybody can do that. So cultivate that gift. And sometimes it's quiet. Sometimes it's not flashy. But he says that is the more excellent way. And when we recognize that we have a gift, we have a responsibility to develop it. So uh, let's go back to the audience. What are some of the things that you do to develop your spiritual gifts? Kamara. Well, first, um, I feel that one of my spiritual gifts is caring for others. I have um, three younger siblings, and it's been um, a lot just like basically trying to raise them. My parents have a lot to do, and so just stepping in and caring for them after I identified that spiritual gift, um, I've just been really working hard to keep having that that love and that spirit to keep um, helping my siblings. Kamora, how do you feel the Holy Ghost influences your ability to love and care for others? I feel like the Holy Ghost really gives me that patience and that love to keep striving to, you know, deal with those little siblings. And I think the Holy Ghost just really um, strengthens me and warns my heart to like be comfortable in that situation. And Patrick, I love how she talked about how the influence the Holy Ghost has on helping her develop this gift. What are some of your thoughts on how we can all individually use the Holy Ghost to help us with our gifts? Yeah, I think the first thing we do is ask, right? We, we, we pray and, and, and we ask God to help us develop our mm-hmm. gifts with that kind of intentionality that you've talked about. And then, and then the gifts just uh, uh, sort of radiate out. I mean, they, they, they begin with ourselves and then oftentimes we exercise those within a context of a family mm-hmm. or within a, a, a ward or a group of friends. And, and as we develop them, you know, our influence, the Spirit's influence through us just is able to radiate out and just touch more and more people. So what are some suggestions that we can uh, offer to those that maybe have a gift or even want to develop a gift on, on how to go about doing that? One of the things, so for, for myself, if I don't take time to make a schedule, to think ahead as to who I want to become, it'll never happen. But if I think of, you know, maybe it's who do I want to become tomorrow? Who do I want to become by the end of the week? Sacrament is a perfect time to sit and think, <laughs> okay, what lack I yet? You know, how can I be just a little bit better? How can I be humble this week? What is something intentional? Again, coming back to that word, I'm telling you, it's like my favorite word. And I love that you say, like, 
it's not about going from zero to a hundred in, in one day, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a gospel of eternal progression, of, of growth, of yeah. just a little bit every day. Line a upon bit line. And, and if you were worse today than yesterday, you've got tomorrow. Yes, right? exactly. Start uh, where you are. Yeah. Start where you are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, what a great way to kind of unify uh, us as saints, us as communities, mm-hmm. um, because it's not just about members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, Patrick, as we kind of wrap up this this second topic, can you tell us the importance of unifying in all aspects, uh, regardless of religious or other affiliations? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important, Ben. And I mean, this, you know, we all live in neighborhoods or, or we, we, we live in the world with, mm-hmm. and, and so we have all kinds of associations. And to recognize that these gifts are given to every person the scripture says, not to every member of the church, mm-hmm. to every person. And so for us to seek out and to help other people cultivate those gifts, that's how we can build stronger communities. I think people are worried about the polarization that we find in society. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to point out the flaws in other people. What if we shifted our mindset to look at the gifts mm-hmm. that other people have that I don't have, that somebody else has, uh, and to say that's how we build unity in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our nations, is by looking at other people's gifts. What a great discussion we've had so far about not only identifying, but developing these gifts. Thank you so much for the audience. What a great energy you brought to this episode today. And for those at home, we still have so much more to cover within these passages of 1 Corinthians with Patrick and Noel in the footnotes portion of the show. So stay tuned. Spirit communicates with me in many different ways, but I think one of the greatest ways it communicates um, to me is through other people. And I think that's amazing because the way that we're all instruments in the Lord's hand, we are all unified in some way. Because when we feel the Spirit, um, we are able to tell, you know, what is going on around us and how to help others around us as well. It allows me to see things in the ways that it wants me to see it. And it also provides certain thoughts that I wouldn't have thought of so that I can solve certain things. The Spirit communicates with me on more of a gradual basis. At least throughout my life, that's how I've noticed it, is it's more of, um, if it's something that I'm really hoping to receive an answer for, it's usually line upon line, just this kind of like a thought going in a certain direction. Once in a while, it'll be like an immediate thought, but more often than not, it's very, very gradual. Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. We've dismissed our studio audience and are looking forward to building upon our previous discussions about 1 Corinthians chapters 8 through 13 with Patrick and Noel. Okay, we're going to jump right into one of the issues that I have with what Paul is saying here. And I need you to help me out here. Chapter 11, verse 14. My heart just kind of sank a little bit. (laughs) Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? (laughs) Now, can we, how long is long hair? I think Paul would say that's long. Uh, Yeah, sorry, sorry. But it's gorgeous hair. (laughs) Thank you. That's really hard. (laughs) But no, I mean, we joke about it, but actually that there are some other verses here that I think, uh, you know, people uh, kind of trip up on Mm -hmm. a little bit, especially in terms of talking about women uh, and and their, their role and some of the hierarchy okay. that, that, that Paul talks about. And we just have to rec- recognize that Paul was a man of his time. 
Paul was a man who came from a culture that had a very strong sense of hierarchy of men being over women, mm -hmm. uh, uh, women not being allowed to have as many opportunities, you know, to speak publicly. To I mean, it was not an equal society. Mm -hmm. They did not believe in equality. <laughs> um, and so we see that, that even somebody like Paul, an amazing an apostle, a preacher of the gospel, he's influenced by his own culture. And he brings that into the church. I think it's a good question for us to think about, like what are ways that we bring things from our culture right. into the church and ways you know, allow the culture to influence the doctrine rather than the other way around. But I think the, good, the great thing is that, that Paul, even while there's some of those things going on, and we, and we just have to recognize that, and, we, and we're not bound by Paul's cultural limitations. Mm -hmm. We are not bound by the rules of first century Roman or Jewish society, right? right? But we, we can recognize doctrine when we see it. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we get it here in verse 11 of chapter 11. This is where he lands and teaches the doctrine. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman neither the woman without the man in the Lord. You know, Noel, what I love about you and your story is the role of your husband. Yeah. Do you mind telling us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people when they see, you know, when they would see me competing or see me up on that Olympic stand, on that Olympic podium, they thought, wow, you're amazing. You did that and, and you're so great and you're so talented. And what they didn't see is that I had an incredible husband right by my side the entire time. And I, there's no way I could have done it without him, even though we had different roles. Mm -hmm. He designed and built my sled. It didn't make him any less of a participant in this you know, big picture, um, we were equals. We are mm -hmm. equals. We're side by side and I can't do it without him. He can't do it without me. And just the same thing where we might have different roles, different talents, different skills, different responsibilities, but we are it, like this comes down to neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man. And I love what it says going into verse 12, but all things of God, mm -hmm. that we are tied together with God. And, and this is what we believe. Yeah. This is yeah. the gospel, right? That, that God created men and women equal and you can't have one without yeah. the other. Mm -hmm. Well, there is so much uh, within these chapters that we're gonna we're gonna get to, and we get a cover. Um, is there any specific place we want to start? Uh, what do we want to go with with all that we have yet to talk about? I love, and you were mentioning this as well, but there's the beginning of chapter eight. Like, let's mm -hmm. just start there. Let's I know you it. were saying you love verse one. I love verse two. We well, love I love at, at the end of verse one where he says, uh, "Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth." And and really, it's knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity lifts up. Love lifts okay. up. You know, so knowledge, when, when we just focus on like what I know, that can be competitive, mm -hmm. like what mm -hmm. I know, what you don't know. Yeah. And actually that's what he's talking about to, to the Corinthians is they think that because they know certain things, it makes them better than other yeah. people. And he's saying, no, 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 no. That's not the way it works. Mm -hmm. Love is the most important thing because love builds people up. Yeah, I love it. And going yeah. into verse two, it says, and if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. And I know like as I get older and older, I'm like, man, the more I know, the less I know, yeah. right? <laughs> um, I just think that shows that humility coming back to, and it's part of that charity that we're, that it'll, you know, taper into, but um, just the more that we can be humble and recognize where there's learning to be had and that there's knowledge to be gained and that, you know, there's a reason why we all have different abilities and different talents so we can learn from it and to not be puffed up, but to say, oh, wow, what do you think about yeah. that? How do you feel about that? And to find that humility in there. So. But the good thing too, is he tells us that because love lifts up, it doesn't matter if you made those mistakes, yes. right? I mean, you know, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter yeah. if you don't know everything, so good. Uh, that, that, 
that if you're doing it with love, I mean, that just covers a whole multitude <laughs> of, of other shortcomings. That's great. You know, um, Paul is really good at, at keeping things in perspective and, and keeping um, Christ at the center. Yeah. And, and no matter what it is uh, that you're doing, and in one of your interviews, you were wearing your young women's medallion. Mm -hmm. And what it. Well, even in the medal ceremony, right? Yeah. Was, wasn't it? Yeah, when you got the medal. It was yeah. so neat because it's kind of contract, like metal, you know, you have this metal right. you just earned, and all of a sudden you have. Uh, another medallion yeah. around your neck. Do you mind talking to us about that that experience and how you sure. keep the main focus amidst all this attention? Yeah, and you know, that's maybe one of my spiritual gifts, perhaps, is just this faith. Like, I just know that mm -hmm. this gospel is true. Like, without a doubt, since I was born, I just remember just being like, wow, like, I can feel it. I just know. Like, and so for me, as I went on to compete in different sports, um, I just knew that sports would always be second or third. Like, you know, following our Savior Jesus Christ is always number one. And so for myself, like, I just saw that competing in this sport in front of the world on this world stage was just an opportunity to be a missionary, an opportunity to share the gospel. And so I remember praying and praying and praying and saying, Heavenly Father, please help me to know, like, what can I say? What can I do to be your hands, to be that light? And uh, I remember watching um, Sister Dalton, the general young woman's mm -hmm. president at the time, and she got up and she said, pull out your young woman a medallion so that your young woman can see where your sights are set. So our presidency pulled them out and we wore them and I wore them day in and day out. I, I like went to sleep with it um, for a full year leading into the Olympic Games. So I just had never taken it off because for me, I wanted my sight set on the temple and it had a torch in the light of mm -hmm. Christ. And to me, that was even more important than an Olympic medal. And you can come back to, um, I love in chapter nine, verse 14 and 16, even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. I wanted to live the gospel. I wanted to show that I live what I believe, you know. And then in 16, it says, for though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And I remember filling this mantle, like if I miss this opportunity to be in front of a million people at the end of an interview, you know, and I still didn't know what to say. And lo and behold, it was his plan all along. He he knew a year in advance saying, just do what you've been asked. Sim something <laughs> simple, wear that necklace and that will be a testimony. And I've had people from all over the world say, I knew you were a member of the church. No like way. the second you got from that camera, you know, and I'm like, oh, how do we know? Because we're united. And it's been, it's been pretty powerful and impactful for myself and my husband and our family. Patrick, there's some, speaking of sports, uh, there's some pretty cool references in here uh, yeah. to athleticism <laughs> and running and, um, you mind teaching us a little bit about what we can learn specific to the times in which Paul is writing? Yeah, so this is cool in, in, in chapter nine. So we, we've talked about Corinth as being like this, this big bustling city of people from all over the world. Well, it was, it was really close. You know, we all know about the Olympic games, you know, they were mm -hmm. held every, every four years. Um, but every two years, kind of the second biggest athletic competition at the time uh, was called the Isthmian Games. E easy for me to say. Say that, say that based, based on the Isthmus. <laughs> <laughs> where, where it is, but uh, so they held it every two years and it's just a few miles from Corinth. Okay. So everybody would have gone to it. It was a huge competition. They did races, they did boxing, oh, other things fine. like this. And they, they would have happened while Paul was in Corinth. Okay. So there's a, we don't know for sure, but there's a really good chance that Paul would have gone to the games, you know, along with everybody else. Everybody was going to the games. It's cool what he says in verse 25. He says, now they do it, you know, people who compete in these games, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. And actually the, the prize that was given at these games was a wreath made of celery, uh, like yeah. celery leaves. And, and actually they were kind of dried. I don't know why they did, don't we ask me why. Right, yeah, exactly, we should. right. Yeah, I like that. But, <laughs> but already, 
it was corruptible. I mean, right. and, and anybody would have gotten that reference. Yeah. Like they get this crown, mm -hmm. you know, and they were first place. I mean, they were amazing. Yeah. They won the competition, but they get this corruptible crown. He says, we're not competing for celery, <laughs> folks, <laughs> right? He says, you know, what we're competing for is so much more important. We, we're interested in an incorruptible crown. Mm -hmm. We're interested in eternal life, you know, something that doesn't fade away. What great um, context. Yeah, I love it's, it. It's, I love it's it. so cool. So, but, but these verses are great. I yeah. love 24. And I, how could you, like as an athlete, I've, I've like had this highlighted for years and not knowing about the corruptible crown, but the purpose <laughs> right. of it, like the, the reasoning behind it is so, so spot on. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. So everybody's out there to get, you know, to get mm -hmm. into this race, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. I've loved that, that you just go out there, you give it your best. No matter what, you give it your best effort, whether it's with, you know, being a better neighbor, be your best, be the best at that. Whether it's being a better parent, be the best you can be. Not the best that you have a friend that's a, an amazing parent, you know, that should win an award for something, but just be your best. Get out there and give your best effort. I've always loved that scripture. And in a lot of the things that we do, despite all of our efforts, you know, like in verse 24, only one's going to get the, the prize, right? And uh, Noel, you have some medals here with us. Can you talk to us a little about some of these medals you have and what you've learned along the way, kind of overcoming some challenges and not always, you know, finishing at the top? What are some of those lessons we can learn and what can this teach them about how the Lord views effort? Sure. Yeah. So my coach, my my Olympic coach in 2014, going into the Sochi Russia Olympics, he had a quote that he would share with our whole team. And I'll remember it forever. He said, we need to be process oriented and results driven. For myself, I, you know, as I've competed, I've realized that my most successful races were the ones where I just fell short. Like the ones where I just didn't get that gold medal. Mm -hmm. And yes, winning a gold medal is, is so satisfying, but they're far and few between. Like you, yeah. you give your best effort and what happens when you give your best effort and you fall short, you know? And does that mean that you just let it go and you say, I throw my hands in there and I'm done because this, I just can't keep doing this. I can't keep going on. And we all face challenges. We all face struggles, but it's what we do when we finish fifth, what we do when we finish third. And during some of those experiences where um, maybe I crashed, maybe I hit some walls that I didn't intend to hit, you know, and all of a sudden I have a choice to make. What will I do? And one of my biggest lessons I think I learned along this journey towards the Olympics is something simple, and it applies to skeleton, yes, but it applies to each of us in our daily lives. And that is where you look is where you'll go. So wherever I, I found that as I, as I started learning the process of skeleton and what it would take to drive my sled down this track, if I was looking at a distraction, if I was looking at a flag wow. waving, if I was looking at someone blowing a horn, I would hit it spot on. I would hit where they were aiming. And if, if we're focused on the distractions of social media and the comparisons, and if we're focused on everything that can take us away from that relationship that is so important with our Heavenly Father, that relationship, those minutes of a day when we kneel to pray, those minutes of a day when we open our scriptures to study and to learn. If we miss that, we're missing the mark. But if we can just focus on where you look is where you go, you're going to hit it spot mm -hmm. on, you know, and if we look towards eternal life, then then we can get that. That's well, and because especially I've watched your sport. I've not done it because I'm not that crazy, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, or brave, uh, but it, this is a sport of like tenths of a second, yeah. mm -hmm. right? And yeah. so, so when you're talking about distractions, you're not talking about big, huge oh. things. I mean, you're talking about little things and even yeah. things, I mean, 
somebody waving a flag, that's that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, you know. Knock you clear off your course. But, but And so, so it's the small and simple things. Yeah. And you had an experience with a shoelace. Yeah. In, in the 2010. Oh, Olympics, thanks for right? reminding me, Dad. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Painful, painful thing. Yeah, 2010, I competed and I ran to win the race. Like, I was in it to win it. Like, I wanted it so bad. And when all was said and done after going down four miles of track, they add together your four times and I missed an Olympic medal by a tenth of a second. And going back and looking at that video, um, I recognized something so small and so simple, and it was that my shoelaces, in, in an, a completely aerodynamic sport where everything matters, my shoelaces, the loopy part, you know, you get uh -huh. that, right, the little yeah. loopy part, was like dragging the entire time down the mile-long track, and for that, it's a, it's a, it's, there's 25 hundredths of a second, you combine that, anyway, yes. It was it cost an Olympic medal. So from that you can choose, right? Any mistake we make in our lives, anytime we have a setback, anytime we're just feeling this weight on our shoulder, we have a choice to make. And we can choose to just throw our hands in the air, like we said, and say, Well, I gave it my best. I'm not mm -hmm. gonna run this race anymore. I'm done. I'm checking out. Or we can say, oh, okay, go to Heavenly Father, right? Go to Heavenly Father first and foremost and say, How can I improve? Please help me with this. This burden is too, and it says he will never give us anything above what we can bear, right? But for me, it was, it was something coming back to the Olympics. I realized I just needed to continue moving forward and improve. And I got zippers for 2014. <laughs> so that wasn't an issue. Right. So there's the medal. <laughs> right. Well, and the, and, the, and the great thing, of course, you know, and Paul's using these athletic things. We've been talking about medals. You know, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, there isn't just one winner, mm -hmm. right? You know, I mean, Jesus says, you know, in, in, in there's many mansions, right? There's room enough for all of us. Oh, isn't, right? that, isn't that a blessing? Oh, right. I'm so glad. And, right. and, 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 <laughs> but sometimes we don't feel that way. Sometimes yeah. we compare. It's sometimes we think the church is a comparison, right? And there's only one winner or something like that. And that is not true. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's enough gold medals for everybody. Mm -hmm. and, and I really believe that. I mean, we yeah. have to believe that. We have to learn to believe that. Because in this world, it's a world of competition. Yeah. Uh, and that's not the way the kingdom of God works. So we, uh, we teased earlier um, that we would come back during this portion uh, talking about the body of Christ. We mentioned it a little bit. Is there anything else you want to add to that, Patrick? To me, it is one of the things I love most about the church, right? We, you know, I can be spiritual on my own. I can read the scriptures on my own, mm -hmm. all these kinds of things. But, but what the church does is it gives us an opportunity to come together with people who are very different than me. I see that they have just different talents, they have different struggles than me, different talents than me, and then we come together. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget uh, when I was, um, I'd just gotten my PhD and I was teaching at, at Notre Dame and we just had an amazing ward there in, in South Bend, Indiana. And, and one of the guys, he had recently joined the church, he was a janitor at Notre Dame. And here I was like a, a PhD and like a professor. And, and he said, he was just an amazing guy. And, and he came up and he said, isn't this an amazing church where a janitor and a professor can be friends? Isn't that wow. Cool? wow. Right? And wow. That, that, that's exactly, yeah. I mean, you know, normally we don't associate with people who are different mm -hmm. than us yeah. in life, right? We, we sort of sort of get yeah. clumped together in whatever we do. And in the church, like that melts away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like we, we come together in, in the temple most of all. Right. right? Beautiful. But, yeah. but, but even in a ward, right? Isn't it great? Oh, the, so the beautiful. Very different people. So that to me, that's what Paul's trying to get at with, with the body of Christ. God created all this difference for a reason. For a right? reason, yeah. We, I, I don't want a body full of just eyes no. or just noses. Yeah. I mean, I, my nose is great, but I don't want everything, right? I mean, but, and so God made us all different to learn from each other to, yeah. to, and to rejoice in that diversity. And that's really what 
what Paul is 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 leading to is you know we've talked about uh, unity uh, through the sacrament. We've talked about these gifts. Ultimately, as Paul it does so well, he's leading us to Christ. Uh, can we go to chapter thirteen and talk a little bit about one of the main, most important messages with everything we've talked about today? Uh, what's the stamp that Paul is trying to to put on on his teachings? Love, love, <laughs> and um, maybe I mean I think this is like one of the best chapters in all of scripture. I mean, there, we have a lot of scripture. We have a lot of scripture. Like Patrick, that says a lot. Because this is it. This, and uh, can I just read a few oh, verses here? Because this is after he's spoken about all these gifts, right? All the, you know, tongues and healing and, you know, all these kinds of things. But, but then this is where he lands. He says, Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not charity, I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, charity never faileth. And of course, that's the motto of the Relief Society, right? I mean, yeah. the, what better motto is there, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, everything else. I mean, you could have the faith to move mountains, if you don't have love, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. So much of what we seek in this life are corruptible crowns, yeah. right? <laughs> right? Stuff that we can't take with us. But charity never faileth. I, like, love persists. Mm -hmm. Love is the thing we take with us. Love is, is the characteristic that refines our souls. So if you've got nothing else, if you're not sure, like, <laughs> do I have any spiritual gifts? Cultivate the gift of love. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. Noel, what is it that keeps you going? What keeps you on that covenant path that we've been invited by President Nelson uh, to stay on? Yeah, it's I. It's just those small and simple things each and every day, day in and day out, um, reading scripture, saying prayers, looking for ways to uh, love a neighbor, coming back to the love aspect. It's something I love about love is that it's never ending. It, it really never faileth. So I think for myself, being focused on the day-to-day, -day, just mm -hmm. how can be a little better today? And I'm going to keep the eternal perspective in mind, but that's kind of overwhelming sometimes. Right. Wow, this is a really <laughs> right, demanding right. church, but if we could just pick one tiny little thing, that's, like you said, Heavenly Father, He He loves effort. He, yeah. he, he chairs, you know, he, he strives for us to just give a little bit of effort. Awesome. That's great. Thank you both. This has been such a treat to discuss these things about our spiritual gifts, about unity through the sacrament. And it's just been a wonderful feeling that you've helped generate here. So thank you very much. Thanks, thank you, Ben. ben. Thank you. And thank you for joining us at home for this discussion from 1 Corinthians chapters 8 through 13. I encourage you to record and act upon any impressions that you've received. For more content, visit byutv.org slash come follow up. Next week, we're covering the last few chapters of Corinthians and victory over sin and death. Thank you for watching.
Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.